When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 115. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there, friends, and welcome back. On this week's show, we are discussing heat mapping as an essential tool for keeping down family clutter. Now, a heat map is a type of graph in which values are represented by colors, right? If we were looking at a map of planet Earth, let's say, the planet's densest cities, the most populous places would be represented in reds and maroons, whereas lighter hues, lighter colors, would represent the countryside or places with fewer people. Today we are applying the concept of heat mapping to our homes and more specifically to our clutter. If we were to heat map our own living spaces, which rooms in our homes would be the most dense with clutter? My guest today is Mia Danielle. Mia is a fellow blogger and podcaster who advocates for a holistic approach to decluttering and organizing. She's on the show today not only to show us how to heat map our own spaces, but also to give us some simple routines to keep down all that clutter. Now, a little side note here is that if you are listening to this episode on or near release date, which is, of course, March 17th, 2020, You may be, like I am, in social isolation thanks to the coronavirus. If that sounds like your situation, know that I am with you and that there is no better time than right now to get decluttering. This episode will absolutely motivate you to do just that despite the social isolation. Enjoy the episode. Mia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to discuss Simple, simple routines to help keep down family clutter. I am thrilled to talk to you about this because clutter with my children, my daughters, is still something (laughs) I continuously find myself needing to work on. But before we even get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode, please tell us all who you are and what you do. Hi, so my name is Mia Danielle. You can call me Mia. Um, And I help women to create clutter-free spaces, and I do so using a holistic method. So I know a lot of people will get in there and it's all physical. It's just, you know, go through the stuff, move this, move that, put this in a box. Um, But I truly feel like 
creating a space that you're really going to be happy with and supportive, you know, on a daily basis is more than just a physical act, you know, and actions can be emotional, mental, physical, energetic. So I teach women how to use all of those, how to harness that to create happy spaces. Hmm. I like that emphasis on the holistic approach because oftentimes, you know, if you don't get to the underlying reasons behind the clutter, the clutter comes back after the decluttering is done. I know this to be true on a personal level. Today, we are going to talk about those simple routines that we can all enact just to keep that family clutter down. And what I love about you is that you discuss the concept of heat mapping your home. And and when I think about heat mapping, I do not think about clutter. So explain heat mapping as it applies to clutter for me, please. <laughs> yes. For me, heat mapping, and, and this just came to me and, and I loved it because I love watching. Have you ever seen, um, I've even seen studies where they heat map how much time families spend in different rooms of their house and you can kind of see where the heavier flows of traffic are versus the areas that just never get used at all. It's just like extra space. So just this visualization really intrigued me and I could I could totally visualize a correlation between, you know, how we use our belongings and being able to heat map our belongings and see visually, like gather data from what we're actually using versus what we're not. And being able to make decisions on our belongings or about our belongings based on actual data that we're able to see. Hmm. I totally know what you're talking about, about the heat mapping of rooms. I read a study sort of recently, and I'll link to it in this week's show notes, about how in the past 50 years, Americans' houses have been getting bigger and bigger in terms of square footage, but we're all still mainly just staying in the same three or four rooms. So even if your house has 25 rooms, (laughs) you're really spending the majority of the time and probably the place where the clutter accumulates in those three or four rooms, the kitchen, the bedroom, and the living room, right? Exactly. We probably read the same study. That sounds very similar to the study that I I read a couple of years back. Yeah. Well, let's get right into it. Give me your first tip for keeping down family clutter. It has something to do with hangers. Yeah. So I have um, I have about five key routines that I feel like are really great for keeping down clutter. And three of those routines are actually based on heat mapping your belongings. So being able to take actions that will visually give you data that you can use to make decisions later on and, and decide what you're going to get rid of. So one of those is something that you may have actually heard of before, which is to just turn the hangers around in your closet after you wear something. Now you could do this either way. You can either turn the hangers around backwards like after you've worn something to indicate that you've worn it, or you can do it the opposite way and turn them like start off with all of your hangers backwards and then just flip them the right way as you wear something. But obviously what you can do is come in at the end of the week or the end of the month and see what's flipped around. I mean, it's super simple. It's an easy way to gather data about what you're actually wearing on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. Because a lot of times, especially with our clothes, we have this whole ideal vision of what we would like to wear, how we would like to present ourselves. And so we'll buy all of these clothes and that's not the reality of what we actually wear. So this kind of puts it in your face and gives you that data of I'm actually wearing these things. I like your emphasis on data because just thinking about my own closet, I've pared it down so drastically, but I still have those 
items in there that I keep for that special occasion or because I might need this blouse for this, that, or the other thing. And I can justify it in my mind, but if I had that visual data of, oh, it's been a month, it's been two months, it's been six months, and you still have not turned this hanger around, <laughs> I can imagine it would be easier to let it go. My question, though, is with the hanger method, which, yes, I have heard before, but I'm wondering, like, what about all the sweaters that you don't hang up? What about all the stuff you keep in drawers? That is That would require... A different type of, I mean, there are tons of different ways that you can heat map your belongings. Um, and I think we're going to go through some of them here, but that would require a different type of heat mapping. So for me, particularly, I have partitions in my drawers. I know not everybody does. So if you did have partitions, then you could use that and do the same method that way. Or if you have maybe two sets of drawers, then you could, you know, when you wear something, it goes in a different location. It's really all about separating locations. So if you wanted to try this method with drawers, you could either, you know, like place the things that you're wearing at the back of the drawer and try to wear things that you haven't worn yet at the front and kind of see, you know, just however your, however your layout of your drawers are or where you place your clothes, um, you can definitely use the same type of concept. I can imagine this would work well with children's clothes too, because my, my girls are young, like I'm still picking out their clothes for them. <laughs> so I could very easily just turn their own, their hangers around and get that visual data of what we continuously grab and gravitate to when we're dressing them, as opposed to those items that you know, really, they're cute and sparkly and frilly, but they just don't make sense in daily life. Yeah, definitely. And if you have like an extra drawer, which I know most people probably don't have an extra clothing drawer that's just not being used. But if you did, then that would be a really easy way to be able to use um, drawer items specifically to see what you're wearing. You wear something and then it goes in the empty drawer and then you wear something else, it goes in the empty drawer. And then the same thing at the end of the week, at the end of the month, you see what's left in the original drawer that's just not being reached for. We tend to reach for the same, you know, like maybe 10 items on repeat. Totally. Totally, we do. For me, it's like the junkie sweatshirt around the house. I wear that way more, oh, yeah. <laughs> way more than I should. I have plenty of very nice sweatshirts, but I always pick the same old the junkie one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm 99% about comfort. <laughs> I want to move right along and talk to you about heat mapping our products, particularly like our beauty products, our the stuff in our medicine cabinet. How do you use the heat mapping technique to deal with these things? Yes. And I think that the simplest ways of going about it, about really anything when it comes to organizing or decluttering, the simplest way is going to be the most effective because you're going to stick with it. So whenever I go through um, these heat mapping processes within my own products, which are now, now I have like, you know, three things that I actually use and I teach people about being a curator versus a collector. Well, this is one of the main steps and really curating that selective line of products that you're going to love inside of your bathroom. Bathroom. So, you know, you just start with everything in one pile, uh, whether that's in your medicine cabinet or in a drawer, wherever you keep all of your things, keep them in a tight little pile. And then as you use something, you start a new pile off to the side, off to the left or the right. And it's the exact same concept as time goes by after a week or, you know, however long you want to give it, go back and see what hasn't been touched in the other pile. Because we buy things on a whim, you know, the lighting is really soft in the Target beauty department. And, you know, you, you think that things look nice, but it turns out that it just doesn't really feel great on you 
you. And then we get into this whole mental debate of, well, I spent this money on this. Well, you know, I might use it at some point. And so it just, just sits there. So this is another way to bring awareness to the fact that you're not actually using that thing. Mm, yeah. You make a really good point about how it could be used in the bathroom, in the medicine cabinet, but I can really see how this technique could be used anywhere in your house. Like I'm thinking about my shoes right off the bat. Uh, <laughs> I'll put all my shoes in a bin and as I wear them, put them in another bin. I already know I don't even have to do it that the bin of shoes that I wear is going to be maybe two pairs and the bin of shoes that I never wear is going to be overflowing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I nerd out with this. You can you can literally use it throughout your entire house. You can use it with your cooking ingredients. If there are certain seasonings that maybe you bought for a special occasion that you're never going to use again. I mean, you can use it literally in any area of your house because it's so simple. You know, it's just a matter of separating what you're using from what you're not using. And it just it's a simple technique to really build that awareness, which uses the the whole mental component. You know, I was talking about um, about getting clutter out in a holistic way instead of just physically going in and throwing things out. Well, this really activates that mental component of awareness and putting it in your face, having visual data of what you're actually using and what's possibly clutter for you. Okay. I love it. I'm going to put my shoes in a bin right after <laughs> we wrap up here, but <laughs> give me another technique that you swear by. So after the step number three that I usually tell people is after you've done whatever kind of heat mapping you're going to do with your belongings throughout your house. It's not really decluttering unless you get the stuff out the door, right? So the third routine is to occasionally do what I call separating the weak from the herd. I think of this as um, kind of like if you had a lioness or something, you know, just I have a picture actually of a lioness that I put underneath this separate the weak from the herd on my website whenever I talk about it. Um, but basically, whenever you have everything separated, you're not actually decluttering anything unless you remove the things periodically that you're not using. So another routine would be to determine how much time you're going to give yourself, whether it's going to be a week or a month or however long, and then to periodically go in and remove those things that you're not using and actually get them out the door. Hmm. Yeah, you're so right. You can fill a box of stuff that you no longer want, but if it's still in your basement, the job is not done. <laughs> yeah. Moving right along is your idea of wish lists. Explain that for me. Yes. So first of all, most of us are shopping on Amazon, right? Like most of our shopping nowadays, studies have shown that a large percentage of our of our shopping is currently at least online. And I think a lot of us are familiar with the Amazon shopping. So this gives you a great opportunity actually to kind of put a pin in that impulse shopping. Now, a lot of people aren't doing this and it's going the opposite direction. They're using that ease and they're bringing in more and more and more stuff. But what you actually have a unique opportunity to do when you're doing online shopping is to wish list things that you want without making that impulse decision. You know, you don't get that option when you're in the store necessarily. You don't know if that thing's going to be there the next time you're there. And you don't know the next time you're going to be making a trip to that particular location. But when you're shopping online, you have the opportunity to create a wish list. And what this does is a couple of things. It delays the gratification without telling yourself no, which our brains don't like. <laughs> we don't, when we really want something, it doesn't feel good to just say, no, you can't have it. Okay. So it, it leaves the possibility that if you do still really want that thing a week or two down the line, it's still there. It's saved for you. You can come back to it. Um, but the second thing that it does is 
it gives you the opportunity to forget about it, you know, because when you keep these things in your mind, when you're like, I really want this, I really want this, then it's like you're reminding yourself on repeat. It's it's playing on your mind. When you have it saved somewhere like a wish list, you don't have to remember it because you know it's there. So you're able to just kind of release it. And the act of doing that oftentimes, I've definitely found for myself, means that you don't really go back to it at all. You completely forget about it. You know, you might go check your wish list a month down the line and be like, oh, yeah, I forgot to put all these things here. And yeah, I never needed them. This is gold because you're right. Amazon and other e-commerce shops, they break down the barriers that prevent us from purchasing. I know on Amazon, they have all my information saved. I literally just have to swipe my finger across my screen and I can buy whatever my heart desires, right? But using a wish list is a great way to (laughs) sleep on it, really, right? And I know that when I use the wish list feature or when I am on any online retailer, really, and put stuff in my cart and just leave it there and go back to it in a day or two days or three days... Nine times out of 10, I don't want the item anymore. Or even worse, I think, what was I thinking? (laughs) I don't need that. I can repurpose this or borrow from this person. And you're right. You don't get that opportunity in the store. In the store, there's the lights, there's the music, there's the smells, there's the everybody else buying. And so you kind of just get wrapped up. You don't want to make another trip to the store. So you just buy. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And listeners listening, Don't forget about the barriers that you can put in place as you're shopping online. Just because the barriers are broken and there are none (laughs) doesn't mean that you can't create them yourself to keep your spending in check. The final tip that you have for us today to keep down family clutter is all about sorting the paper mess. Tell me all about how to do it. All right. So... The reason that this one made it onto my top five list is because, you know, I've been running this business for years now and still the number one thing that people come to me about is papers. How do I go through the papers? I have papers all over the place and I get it because it comes to us from literally every direction. You know, you have mail, you have catalogs, you have bills, you have kids bringing home schoolwork, you have so much stuff that comes in the form of papers and then they end up just getting piled or shoved in different places. And this is something that because of its nature, because it's so flat and easily stacked and easily shoved places, that it can really build up to a place a a point of overwhelm. So uh that's why, you know, number five on the list, the papers had to give a shout out there because if you go through them as they come in, if you go through the mail as it comes in, even if you don't feel like it and you just take those few seconds to, okay, sort, 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 this I need to pay, this is going in the trash, it'll save you so much overwhelm and so much extra hours, so many extra hours later on when you do go through your home to either declutter or to organize. Because let me tell you, I've had so many students who when it gets to that point of doing the papers, it takes them a long time to go through that because it's built up so much. Um, so yeah, I mean, super simple. When your kid brings home a paper that needs to be signed, sign it then, hand it back to, you know, sign it at that moment, hand it back to them, tell them to put it in their backpack. Don't like put it on the fridge. Don't put it in a little pile for you to look at later because you might forget. But also, it just doesn't need to be there. Once you do your part, then it's back in their ball court and they can take it from there. Um, and then, of course, I recommend in any way that you can just going green, just digitizing so much easier and keeps down the clutter. Mm. 
the pile of paper is really similar to the donation box in the basement, right? Just because all the paper is in a neat pile doesn't mean that it's taken care of. It doesn't mean that the job is done. So getting into the habit of, you know, going to the mailbox and then dealing with the mail right then and there is a great habit to get into. The children's papers too, and for me, the children's artwork is always like a constant struggle, but it, it, I think just with practice, getting yourself into the routine of doing something with it, either hanging it up or putting it in the binder or, I'm sorry, but throwing it in the trash, <laughs> it needs to happen sometime. It does not need to go in the pile. It's really interesting to me that you said that people continuously struggle with the paper, even as we go towards a more paperless society. I wonder... Like, what is the paper clutter that you experience with your clients? You know, I've found that a lot of people, surprisingly, um, just aren't totally on board with all the paper, you know, the paperless options that we have. A lot of people still have all of their bills coming in paper form and they send off a check, which like I personally never write checks. Everything is digital for me, but not everybody is in that same boat. There, there are still quite a few people out there who like to have the physical documents. Um, you know, my mother-in-law, for example, she has a whole a filing bin inside of her office where she keeps everything, like every insurance document that she's ever gotten from her life insurance, health insurance, all of this stuff. And a lot of people still feel safer um, having all of these physical copies. You know, a lot of people, if they haven't, if they haven't actually tried out using the cloud and tried some of these digital options, then there's still this distrust there. Whereas, you know, me, I, I've been around since the beginning of this thing. You know, I'm comfortable. I use it every day. Um, that's not the case for everybody. But a lot of things that I that I hear from people is, um, you know, definitely the kids' artwork is a big one. Um, different types of business documents. I hear a lot of people talking about business documents that have to be physical copies. Um, yeah, so it's just it's it's still a very real problem, and they'll send me pictures of their of their spaces, and it's just covered, you know, offices just covered in different types of papers. Mm. I know you have resources on your website for those of us listening who want to get rid of the paper clutter, and I'll definitely link to it in this week's show notes. But Mia, tell us what you've been up to. I know you have a big launch coming up, so tell us about your launch, and tell us where listeners can find you online. Oh, definitely. So uh, yes, I did just reopen my signature course, Clutter Cure, where I teach this whole holistic method that I've been kind of bringing up here and there in this talk today. Um, but you can also find me at miadanielle.com. I'm most active socially over on Instagram, which is underscore Mia underscore Danielle. Apparently, Mia Danielle was taken. And yeah, that's what I've got going on. I would love to chat with anybody who's interested in, in chatting it up about some holistic clutter-free living. Well, I love having guests on the show who can offer some real concrete and attainable action steps in their lives. And so I just want to thank you so much for offering not one, not two, but five of them. I am certain that my listeners will take something that you said and implement it in their own home. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Mia Danielle. I have linked to Mia's website in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 115. Now, this week's eco tip comes from Crystal. 
Crystal wrote to me and said that she is in the habit of processing her fruits and vegetables the second she brings them home from the supermarket. Processing for Crystal means that she chops the carrots or she roasts the Brussels sprouts or she freezes the broccoli, whatever it may be. Crystal swears that prepping the produce and processing those produce items that go bad quickly greatly reduces the amount of food she ends up wasting. Now, when it comes to processing and prepping all this food, Crystal has a real detailed system for doing so without plastic. And she sent me an entire list of all the ways she stores every single food item plastic-free. It's a quite exhaustive list. It is amazing. And I'm going to go ahead and link to it in this week's show notes for all of you. And thank you so much, Crystal, for sharing it with us. Now, on next week's show, so many of you have written to me and asked for next week's show, so I'm covering it once and for all. We are talking all about the best non-toxic and packaging-free beauty products. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. Stay sane, friends, and take care.